So, yesterday we were talking about the spirit of David. I thought we would have gotten a little farther than that yesterday. So I said, well, we'll pick it up again today. Amen. And uh, talk about this man, David, who was a normal person like me and you. But he served God, the real, true, and living God. And that's what makes the difference. It's not really what you have. What you have... um, uh, many times we don't even know what we have and who we are uh, because it's shrouded in darkness until you find Christ and you feel, have that the candle of your spirit uh, lit by the light of God uh, you dwell in darkness so many times people <clears throat> don't number one aren't aware of any potential they have number two they can't live in that potential because darkness hinders you from uh, being all that you can be um, and it's when you come into the light of God <clears throat> that darkness will flee from you and darkness has no power over you. Uh, you begin to understand yourself. You begin to understand God. You understand life. Uh, you get on a new uh, path of life. Uh, everything's new. The Bible says old things are passed away and all things have become new so we are new creatures in Christ and that's a a fact that's not something make believe or some kind of metaphor you know I get sick of these metaphor people uh, in the Bible because the Bible's an inspired book and it has to be interpreted by the one who inspired it and if he doesn't breathe life on our crazy brains we won't be able to comprehend what God has for us and so as we work, uh, live for God and live with God, then we come into the reality of who we are. And it's pretty stunning for most of us. I mean, it, it takes a while for us to make these adjustments, you know, uh, to adjust to, you know, I don't have to uh, be so nervous about a lot of things I used to be nervous about. I can remember when I was growing up, I was always anxious about something. And uh, I realized that there was, because of the pressures of life, uh, you, when you're aware of difficulties uh, at a young age, your your soul isn't able to handle it. It's not like the same thing like an adult worrying. A kid worrying is far more damaging to their soul. And so you can grow up having uh, grave insecurities uh, because of, of not being able to sort things out properly. And so growing up, I just always felt, well, well uh, I'm going uh, go to go to, go to school and get a good education and then I can you understand what I'm saying? There were so many stipulations. And I went to school and I got a good education. But then you know that whatever was magically going to happen in my life never materialized and so there's always this darkness this dark wall here and so coming into the light of God I began to understand uh, you have a spirit that's never been heard from before <laughs> you know all these things that that uh, where you connect to God they haven't there you haven't even been aware that all of that stuff was there and so as you walk with God you come into greater awareness of more things you know it's there's no such thing as having it all understood uh, and in under having you know all this great command of knowledge and understanding in God my goodness we're really just scratching the surface a lot of this can't be revealed to us in this body anyway you know and so we we have to realize that there's something that we have to learn and we've got to grab on to these things 
And so when I look at David, I look at a man who uh, was so hungry for God. He just stayed hungry, even though he had great accomplishments in other areas of his life. He was a very accomplished man. But all of that paled in comparison to getting to know God in a great. He just always had this hunger for God that stayed with him and I I think that's a good example because as much as he understood about God he had a hunger still that was never uh, fulfilled and I think we need to understand that we'll always have that hunger too uh, that never really quite gets fulfilled but we pursue it anyway so we talked about different uh, attributes of David spirit what uh, uh, what I would call a spirit after sincerely after God what what type of a spirit what type of a person is this person spiritually speaking and so then you can kind of have a, a measuring tool you know how do I measure up do I hunger forgotten the same way or do I don't think about that that much or is this something that that I I would like for it to uh, to be a part of me and, and and if it's not a part of me how can I cultivate this dedication to God <clears throat> so we talked about his great love for God yesterday his desire to worship God and so that worship aspect you know you, you think about him being a ruler and a leader and a king over people a warrior going out you know making a living so to speak uh, through war and defending a whole nation and then he goes in and he writes all these all this wonderful poetry to God and he's able to put it to music and he's able to assign people how to set up a worship service I mean this is this is a, a brilliant man you know uh, and and so much of what we think about David is hidden behind one flaw that he had you know you never dig underneath that flaw to see what he really brought to the people of God and you think about it somebody's so gifted why would the devil not try to stop him and discredit him in in that way and so but we being wise we know that that his sins are forgiven he he got right with God and we remember that no more <laughs> you know what I'm saying and we remember the good that he brought to the people of God and so we talked about his desire for worship how he set up all of the worship uh, for the nation of Israel and so <clears throat> now we we want to talk about his desire for the presence of God because worship uh, is is an activity that we do to invoke the presence of God and sustain the presence of God but then there's in that presence there is something that we hunger for and so David was after what it was that there was in the presence of God so in Psalm 122 1 he said I was glad when they said let's go into the house of the Lord and that's so different from you know how your kids are when they're little you got to beat them up drag them out you know and you get to church and you're mad they're mad they're late all that stuff but there will come a time they will be glad to go into the house of the Lord they just they just have an attitude about it but their hearts gonna hunger for that too in Psalm 95 2 we have instruction to enter into his presence with thanksgiving never go to God asking for anything without giving him thanks you've got to understand that that is not the way to invoke the presence of the true and living God because you want to contact God for real you don't want 
to be standing there talking and thinking you're talking to God and some other voice answer you. You think you got an answer from God and you got an answer from your own brain or some familiar spirit that wants to manipulate you. And so when you, and, and these are safeguards. These are not things you jump over because you're too mature for that now. You know what I'm saying? So often people think they have some some uh, some secret code with God uh, that because of so many years of being a Christian now I've elevated and I don't have to ask, I don't have to worship, I don't have to ask and I don't have to beg and I don't have to, well, what do you have to do? What do you want to do in the presence of God? What do you think you owe God? Anything? And so we can get very, very casual in in this this uh, uh, approaching God, but you approach Him in this way as a safeguard. This is a safety for you because you don't see in the spirit you don't know what's out there you don't know who's hanging around you don't know who wants to hear your prayer you don't know who's talking and wants to talk to you so you enter with thanksgiving because that's the prescribed way that's the way God has instructed us to get access to his presence it's like it's the same thing as if I told you I said well my address is so and so and so and so uh, and you know it's a one way street so if you take this route and go around the other way you can get in but if you try to get this way you're going to be and you make up your mind I know this street I know I'm going to go anyway you know and you're trying to get the wrong way down a one way street well that's the same thing as trying to get access to God's presence without thanksgiving You know, it, it's it's just tragic what happens to the the good traditions and the good things that God has laid down for us to ensure that we can get into His presence. He hears our prayers. We, you know, all of this stuff is right, and and then we want to shortcut it and and get stupid with it and wind up not contacting God. The way we think we should, or we it doesn't get the results that it could get if we do it the right way. There's a right way and a wrong way to approach God on everything. 102, 100, verse 2 says, Come into his presence with singing. Hmm. Man, when's the last time you got in the shower and sang a song to God? Huh? So, Psalm one fourteen seven and 8 tells us that the earth trembles at his presence. So he's a very powerful God, folks. Much to be awed and much to be admired, much to be respected and worshipped. But we can draw near. You know, the earth trembles, but we can draw near. How can we draw near? We draw near by doing it the way God says to do it. And so David was very experienced with worship. And so he set forth the instructions in a lot of the Psalms because of his experiences with God. So he's the one who's, you know, David would probably cringe to see some of our worship services uh, that we think we're, we're really touching God. You know, that's why people are always begging for revival. Because when we they have a service, everybody is so man-centered and so jumping up and carrying on and, and so programmed with three fast songs and two slow ones or whatever they do. God doesn't have a chance to get in. So the you know a, a traditional many many years of doing that ritual 
and God just coming in for a little bit of time and then everybody's patting after God because they never give him a chance to do much of anything and so now we're hollering for we need revival no you need to do it right and make sure you contact God when you have a chance to contact him this is silly God's reviving people all over the place (laughs) you don't have to have a worldwide move of God in order to get results in God and do his work and do his will you just got to do what you know to do and do it right and you contact God trust me he's available to everybody all the time you know if people are worshiping him according to the word he's going to withhold his presence because these yokels over here don't want to spend enough time with him in his presence to get him down to do something give me a break he blesses people who come to him according to his rules he's got rules folks and if rules irritate you you better get with it because we serve a God who is very powerful and he knows what he's doing. He knows what you need to do to get out of yourself and get out of your nonsense and get close to him. So we all need to cut the nonsense out and strip down and get with God the way we're supposed to. That's why a lot of our messages that come out of atmospheres where God is not really in control, that's why they're so um, uh, motivational. <laughs> Jesus didn't come to motivate anybody. He came to save. Power to save. And to heal. And to do good. Not to motivate. Get that anywhere. So in Psalm 116. Not 116. In Psalm 16. And if you uh, have a King James, it tells you what types of psalms these are. That's interesting. These are some of them are prayers. Uh, David has written many of them. But this one is described in my Bible as a mictum. M-I-C-H-T-A-M. Mictum. Yeah. Now what does that mean? That word actually means golden. So it really, the, the, um, the, uh, Uh, impression here is that as this psalm was being read as it was being spoken as it was being said and it was being sung there was a a result from heaven that made it golden precious as in being stamped like a gold coin is so this one's a keeper in other words this one works all the time I remember in the charismatic move of the spirit people started to read the Psalms and understand that there was power released when you read God's word then they started to put music to it and I'm thinking look how long it took us to get back to God's worship the way it's supposed to be in the word and so there were some there were some of those that that worked all the time remember some of the little songs enter his gates with <laughs> you got up and you felt so much joy he danced around and uh, you know people who had been in atmospheres that was shut down and and retarded and and just bad and negative and religious people would get so free just off of these psalms put to music it was amazing what it did when we obeyed god's word and worshiped him in spirit and in truth is according to the word of god not according to some old crazy tradition
And so even people who have been in restricted, you know, environments, you know, Baptists were too free. They'll jump if a cockroach runs across the floor. He don't even have to be singing. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It don't take much to make a Baptist shout. Come on now, y'all. And then there's the uh, uh, Pres- <laughs> Lutherans and Presbyterians. They don't even sit down in church. They come in for 10 minutes and they're gone. And then the Catholics who are just so quiet, they don't think God talks. If God talks, they're all upset. So, and then. And so, but it moved everybody. These psalms moved everybody. When you put the word of God to music, it's amazing God shows up like he does consistently. And so that's what I think about when I think about this Psalm 16. So David is saying, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Psalm 16, I'm sorry, verse 1. He says, O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, my goodness, extend Oh, my goodness extends not to thee. In other words, I'm not on your level. You got me? Uh, I'm, I'm, and this is a way of humbling yourself before God. He said, but to the saints that are in the earth, to the excellent in whom is all my delight, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names to my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine in here. God's your portion. You don't need other gods. You don't need to feel mighty and great and wonderful. You just need to come humbly before him and stay in his presence. He said, the Lord is my portion. The portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. You maintain my light. You maintain who I am. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. In other words, when they would, would, this lines are fallen, that means that they would cast lots for property. You know, all the families would line up and they would draw straws or however they did it to find out who got which patch of land. And so it was not sure who would get what piece. Or if it looked good today, tomorrow it may not produce anything. So you were never sure. Until you got out there and started to work the land. And he said, God draws my line. So I always get good land. You know, everything I get is good. I don't have to worry about anything. Because I put God in charge of it. These things are very important, folks. Let God be your portion. Don't think you got to get out here and fight anybody for anything. God, When God is your portion and he is your lot. Then you know you have good things coming to you. In every area. I don't care what area it is. It's always going to work out good. Let go of strife. Let go of contention. Let go of fear. Let go of worrying. Let go of wondering. Let go of you know you feeling like you have to make it happen. God will make it happen. He says I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. You got me? God t- tells me what to do. God instructs me. God makes me wise. He he says my reins also he my reins also instruct me in the night season. So he says my spirit speaks to me at night when I'm asleep. You got me? He said God is always working in me to give me counsel, to help me, prepare me for tomorrow. I don't have to be worried about what's going to happen at work. I don't have to be concerned about how I'm going to get my car out of the snow. God has already set that up for me. He's my portion in my life. And he says, I have set the Lord always before me. No other gods. You know, I don't care about 
people who do yoga and meditation and uh, you know Christians who say you know they're going to this place and that place they're going to go to this conference and that conference and who we had a hallelujah good time we shouted all over the place well whatever but if God tells me to go I'll be there but he's the one who gives me counsel he sets my life in order he helps me with things he says I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I won't be moved you got me so if you won't be moved you won't be upset you won't be deceived you won't be shortchanged you won't come up missing you won't come up you know what I'm saying Uh, he's at your right hand and you trust him 100% he says for these reasons my heart is glad and my glory rejoices my flesh shall also rest in hope in other words all I have to do I, I can get one disconnection notice after another I can get one bad call after another they can jack up my finances at the bank but I'm going to go to sleep tonight and sleep and rest in hope I'm not going to be worried about anything he says because you won't leave my soul in hell and then it gets prophetic talk it's messianic in this this respect he said neither will you suffer your holy one to see corruption so you can see why that turned people on when you know you read that in front of a congregation of people that you know that God has has eternal rest provided for his people as well as temporal rest you got me and he says you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In other words, Dave is reaching far beyond the natural here over into the supernatural and into the eternal when he reads this to the people of God. And this puts a desire in God's people to stay in his presence. You know, just whatever you got to do. Uh, get Turn the TV off, turn the phone off. You know, don't talk to people, don't respond to any text voice message anything like that but just abide in his presence let yourself rest let your soul rest in God let yourself get comfort in the God of your salvation you know you can spend a lot of time by yourself but you're not alone and you're certainly not lonely you have constant companionship in God constant comfort Catherine Kuhlman was like that she felt like she had done so many uh, things to her way in life never worked out for her one of them was marrying a man who left his family for her you know and they decided they were going to try and go out and be preachers you know I mean come on folks and uh, you know she just felt like maybe God didn't have anybody for her I don't know but whatever you know this nonsense people get they get stuff stuck in their brains that they can't get out somehow and she finally left this man he didn't belong to her wasn't like it was a divorce divorce he had two wives which one you want buddy he don't know so it's best both of them get free if he's a nut and confused like that so anyway you know she made up her mind she was gonna give it all to God and and so she made the Holy Spirit her best friend her constant companion she made up her mind she wasn't going to miss that life when you make up your mind you're not going to miss your past life (laughs) you let it all go you'll find God and she found him in a big way she made up her mind if God would accept her as a servant she would do everything she could to represent him 
perfectly. And she did a lot for God. Did excellent work for the Lord. And so everybody can do that, folks. We can all make God our best friend. And the Holy Spirit our best friend. And just seek to love God and serve Him, you know? The other thing David was fond of, he loved the law of God. He liked the word. He loved the Ten Commandments, which everybody tries to get away from. You know, the world wants to get rid of going to court to take the Ten Commandments out of this and out of that. And I'm thinking, they're afraid of words. You know, you take them out of here, God will speak them over here. You know what I'm saying? You take them out of visibility and he'll write them in people's hearts, engrave them in their hearts. And they have to do them anyway. God's not intimidated by our challenges. You know, Bible says he who sits in the heavens laughs at crazy people. So in Psalm 1 verse 2, it talks about the law of the Lord and how wonderful it is. It said, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel or the laws of the ungodly. You know, ungodly people have laws too. Nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, you love God's word, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. So there's a meditation on God's law that shows that you love it. You hide that word. You think about it. You mull it over. You you let it grab you. And when it grabs you, you can't stop until you can get an understanding of what that that really means. You know, it's not something you skip over. I know a lot of times when you when I was reading the word as a younger Christian, I kind of skip over some things I didn't understand, and that was good then because sometimes you can't get stopped on something and just try to make it give you understanding but uh, as the years have gone on I found that I didn't have to be afraid of the word of God because I didn't understand it God would give me understanding if I asked for understanding and that's a blessing of God's law there are people who have knowledge and they'll try to hide it from you but God, if you will will seek God for it, He will He'll give you as much as you can handle or as much as you can understand. But He is always there to open up understanding. And and so David said, I would meditate in the word day and night. And you know, it was a way to to ensure your success in life, to ensure your prosperity. Uh all of the, the Hebrew people understood this. They understood the importance of meditating on God's word. Now the Pharisees would always <laughs> take it and make it, you know, make it a little, you know, I think sometimes in the word God is, is telling us, trying to emphasize how important the word is where he said would bind it to your, your, uh, you know, don't let it depart from your eyes, bind it to your forehead and all this kind of, that really refers to me to meditating on it but you know the pharisees would make the you know jesus said <laughs> you make broad your phylacteries they would take a, a scripture and a scroll roll it up and put it in a little box and tie it to a rope and tie it to her head well some of them had bigger ones and i was like it's you know how you go when you go in and work in the mines and you got this big light in the front of your head well jesus said you make broad your phylactery so they would give them as big as they could i guess they want people to know i'm in the word you, you see how foolish things that's what religion does 
Religion is always to impress other it's to make them look big and everybody else look small and so, <laughs> so it's how broad is your phylactery it's just you know it's it's amazing but but god meant for us to just always be mindful of god's word and how precious it is and to take it with you through meditation in psalm 19 and verse 7 It says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Miles Monroe used to say this. He says uh, he talked about meditation and and he always he would preach on Romans 12. You know, be transformed. He said, this is why your neighbors think you're still a sinner. You know he would say stuff like that. He was uh, he he would drop stuff on you. It would be so heavy. You say, "Whoa, wait a minute," and then you'd have to think about it while you're sitting sideways in your seat. But uh, and he he's in and it's right. He said that we have stressed salvation as a one-time occurrence so much. Speaking in tongues, we are collectors of things instead of people who seek to be transformed. See, whenever we sin or we break God's law, we need to grieve enough over that to not want to do it again. And how do I not do it again? Through the transformation process. So God, I'm going to meditate on your word. Show me what word I need to get working in me so I'm not a klutz all the time in this area. I don't continue to do this same mistake over and over and over again because of lack of wanting to be transformed. So you have to want to be a different person every day being transformed from from one image to another one there's so many facets of God's character his abilities his his uh, essence that he wants brought out in his people and he can't do it if we won't submit to the transforming process which comes through meditating on the word so the Bible says here there's nothing wrong with God's word it'll do everything that is so hard to get people to understand when they're sick that if you continue in this word and continue to meditate on this word this word will heal you this word is medicine this word will convert your soul you might have some doubts about it now and have symptoms but if you stay with this this word is perfect in everything it does it'll convert your soul you won't have to worry about anything and so when when it talks about the law of God we can trust in God's word he says the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple there have been people who had, did not have much education, but boy, they could take care of a family. They could take care of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. they keep that whole household together. But they couldn't string a, a bunch of words together in the proper order to make a complete sentence. But if they knew God, boy, or if they knew a scripture in God, there are people from past generations who could take a couple of scriptures and work them to death, man, and do all kinds of things with them. It's just that I remember uh, uh, some a couple, I think they were in that, that church uh, you were in, Shannon, when the, Brother Frannel's church. There was like a middle-aged older couple. They were such soul winners. Every time they came into church, they were bringing somebody new. Or they were out winning souls and stuff like that. Just an ordinary couple. But they were so 
on fire for God and so loving his word and they really just wanted a decent church to bring their people to you know they didn't need a lot of this other baby stuff that everybody else was needing and so because why because of the word it had transformed them from ordinary people to soul winners on fire soul winners you know and they you get around those people and they were just they were different they were different than everybody else they knew what they were doing and they did it for God and that's what the word does to you that's not a special gift and not special anything that's applying the word because the word of God is perfect and it'll convert you it'll make you somebody from somebody who thought you were scared to talk to people to a soul winner you can go up in, in boldness and that grace that comes when the anointing's on you to just slide right in there and deliver the message it's wonderful and they did it constantly and Psalm 37 31 this is one of my favorites fret not yourself because of evildoers don't be envious of the workers of iniquity stay with your peoples stay with God's business and verse 31 though it says the law of his God is in his heart none of his steps shall slide when the word of God keeps your heart your steps will you'll you'll walk straight for God that's one of my scriptures I need to incorporate that one too you know for this weather yeah I won't be falling though my my slip shall not slide thank you Lord my steps shall not slide <laughs> I the other one I like is about him keeping us from falling now that one I always use but I think I'm, I don't even want to slide Lord my steps shall not slide so that's what I need so God's law in our mouths will make us upright in heart you got me once you start to feed on that word and meditate on it it converts your soul and it will change your heart your heart starts to yield more to God it starts to feel more of what God feels in Psalm 119 and verse 17 David wants the Lord to to uh, be a good God to him. He says, "Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep your word." You know, this is a good way to plead your case before God. God, if I leave here, what's going to happen to <laughs> my work that I'm doing for you? You know what I'm saying? Don't fire me. He says, "Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law." In other words, you know, this is a, a soul that's in some trouble. Uh, he doesn't want it to end here he says just help me God open my eyes so that I can do the right thing this time I can behold wondrous things out of thy law so many times the word of God is veiled and hidden from us and so this this in this psalm he wants God to open up his eyes so that he can do more you know I can behold wondrous things I'll be a better person because of your word Psalm 19 29 He says, remove from me the way of lying. No, sometimes people, some people have more trouble with that than others. He said, and grant me thy law graciously. Huh? Just Lord, make it easy for me to find you. We can ask God 
to make it easy for us to do things. You don't, you don't always want to, oh, I'll tough it out and don't worry about me, God, I'll find you. You know, come on now. It's just, it doesn't have to be that way. So he asked God to uh, allow him uh, a gracious opportunity to receive the word of God. And so he says, I've chosen the way of truth. In other words, I'm, I belong to you. I'm, 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 so I'm asking you for further help. Once you belong to God, you can ask him for all of the help that you need. It's, it's, it can be afforded to you. And 119 verse 34, he says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yes, I shall observe it with my whole heart. In other words, he doesn't want anything standing between him and God. He wants to do better for God. That's so important that we not get this stiff-necked attitude about our walk with God. Always desire more. Desire more understanding. He said, if I could get more understanding, I could do better. I'll keep the law better and I can observe it with my whole heart. You know, if I get get something in me that helps me get past these roadblocks and obstacles, I'll keep it in a better fashion. It's so important to know that. So important. Because many times we hit uh, problems in life. We all understand what it's going to take to get us over that problem. But if we can bear our souls before God, just be honest before him, God, I really don't understand how to do this. I, I'm going to need your help on this one. i got to have more help here. I just need what I need. You understand? And go to God as your source. If he's your portion, then He's he can increase that portion that he gives to you. And 119, we'll stay at 119 for a while. 119, drop down to verse 41, I think. He said, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. In other words, I want to keep your word, Lord. I don't want you to make any exceptions for me. If I can say one thing about this generation of Christians, we think we're quite exceptional. Everybody's a little special around here. And we just want to, God to cut corners on our behalf. And he says, no, God, don't. you're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you and what you expect out of me. But help me to be able to conform to what you desire from me. He says, come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to thy words, so shall I have herewith to answer him him that reproaches me for I trust in your word in other words your word to me is everything God I don't want I don't want to go beyond it I don't want to have some special revelation I don't want to have anything you know chummy with you but I just want you to open up your word more to me so that I can be a better keeper of your law he says and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth for I've hoped in your judgments. In other words, help me to not give up on believing you for the things I want. Help me not to give up on praying for my family and for everything, every need that I have. Help me not give up on what I've asked you for and I believed you for all these years. I don't want anything else in my life. He said, I've hoped in your judgments. I don't want to be a false person. I don't want to be a person that just gives up and, and goes and does whatever. You know, and he says also, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. We have to be pledged to God's word because trust me, there's so many opportunities to slack off on the word, to get um, 
critical of God and God's word and the people who obey his word all of that you know people who have walked with you David spoke of this a brother who walked with me and now betrays me you know, people do that all the time they've walked with God for a season and now they mock the things of God you know this this psalm helps you to understand that could be you if you get really stupid and you've got to pledge yourself to the word of God you've got to pledge yourself that you're not going to get uh, uh, scornful and, and overly critical about things so that you start speaking things other than the word of God you don't want to do that you don't get over, over in there and 61 Psalm uh, 119.61 he said the bands of the wicked have robbed me but I have not forgotten in other words I've been under duress I've been in a place where I could quit but I'm still holding on to your law huh Yes, hallelujah. He said, at midnight I will rise to give you thanks yes. Yes. because of your righteous judgments. In other words, I may not be getting the benefit of it right now in my life, Amen. but I'm going to keep my Thank vigil you. of Thank being you. thankful to you for your word. Yes, Lord. He says, I am companion of all them that fear thee yes. and of them that keep your precepts. Make sure you stay in the right company Thank of people. Amen. You understand me? You get around people. If you're getting weak in the word, get around people who are strong. Yes. You know, you need that. You don't need to start getting around people who will let you talk uh, any kind of way and condemn everything that God holds in high esteem. Don't don't start uh, bottom feeding. You know what I'm saying? Just because you feel like you're on the bottom, don't start partaking of that that kind of stuff. You stay with God. You keep a companion of them that fear the Lord and of them that keep the, the law of God. So he says, teach me. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me thy statutes. In other words, he's seeing God's word manifest around him as he's asking for more of it. See? There's his answer right there in, in verse 64. He says, full of your mercy. So just teach me. Teach me more about keeping your law. In uh, Psalm 119.97, this is a man who loves God's commandments. Commandments, folks, not suggestions. Yes. He likes the fact that God is challenging him to a higher way of living. Amen. That's what a commandment is. He tells you to do it because he knows he empowers you to do it. All you got to do is to say, yes, Lord, and decide you're going to go along for the ride. And 97, oh, how I love thy law. He said, it's my meditation all the day long. All day long he meditates on the word. He loves the law of God. You know why? Because it doesn't condemn you when you meditate on it. It shows you what what God how God envisions you. He sees you complete and whole. He sees you as competent and capable. He sees you as able to live in a higher level of living. And so that should inspire all of us. I mean, I'm inspired when I, I look and I see what Jesus did. I don't sit around and say, well, that went out with the, uh, that went out with this. And I can remember when, when people would say those things to me and it just would irritate me. Um, I know people who have tried to get a healing uh, just from God. You know, oh, it make you want to leap over the table and, and throttle somebody because, you know, here you're hanging on to something God gave you. You know you got it from God and got it from the Word. And you see, you know, if I sit here and try to get along with these people, 
I'm going to be at a loss. They're going to wind up stealing something from me. And so when you you start to look at God's word and and get the challenge of it, you know, God, uh, I can do a better job as far as my preaching and my healing and believing you for the supernatural, for miracles. Help me. You know, help me to do this. Help me to, you know, anything that you need. You need help. He says that that he just loves the commandments of God. Why? They inspire him to live better. Inspire him to a higher way of living. Where you, you, you're harmless to people. You don't lie. You don't uh, put people under undue pressure. You know, you're not trying to get something out of them. You know, you're, you're not trying to make family life miserable uh, for your parents and for those around you. You're not upsetting yourself by always wanting something else. You know, coveting what you see all the time. You're just, you know, <laughs> sailing on in God. That's what he wants us to do. And Psalm 119, 142. He says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And your law is the truth. So he, he because he's a righteous God, whatever he speaks is truth. Whatever he speaks comes to pass. Whatever he speaks, he can he can verify it, he can stand by it, and he can validate it. So he's a good God. Amen's a good God. So that's David and loving God's law and be inspired by the word of God. Come up higher because of live higher. Don't live in a, a land of, of not uh, uh, um, conforming. You know, always want to be the odd person or the weird person or the, you know, that kind of stuff. Live a life of 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 pleasantness among men of of you know being his witness but also being that person that that conforms you know that that God can can be uh, pleased in you know God can trust and and God can can uh, invest more in that's that's what you want you want to be that investment person so the other one is uh, the last area I hit was uh, David's desire to obey and serve the Lord so we have uh, one one out of the Psalms, not a Psalm, but in Job thirty six eleven, it says that if we will obey and serve the Lord, we will spend our years in prosperity and our days in pleasures, and so that's that's having that peaceful life that God has ordained for us, stress free life, carefree life. Amen. It really is. You don't have to be concerned about anything. There's so many things that would would keep us from from being obedient and keep us stressful. When you're stressed, you can't obey God. You don't know how to de-stress yourself with the Word of God. We need to learn, you know. Like the psalm says, make it easy for me. (laughs) And be gracious to me. Make it easy for me to to have this. Give me that that, uh, favor and that blessing, that ease with which we can receive your word. Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So we're to serve him with gladness. One of the things that gets people messed up is a bad attitude about serving God. You know, you've seen it all. You've heard it all. Most of you who are hearing don't want to do anything. I'm the only one doing it. I do this all the time. It's like Martha. It's not so much that 
you know, Mary versus Martha. Oh, Martha was, you know, she was, you know, you don't know what Martha, Jesus told Martha that wasn't, that wasn't her problem. You know, the fact that her sister wasn't helping her was not the problem. He said, you got a lot of problems, Martha. So this ain't what you, this ain't what's bothering you. There's something else in you that's eating you. And you're acting out in a way that you think is going to be acceptable. When people act out, they think what they're saying is something everybody else feels and can agree with. But they're really reacting to much deeper problems on the inside of them. Jesus said, Martha, you are bothered by many things. This is this girl is not your problem. In other words, you got a lot of stuff on your mind and you're thinking that you can just dump it all over here. And we believe that this is your problem, but this ain't your problem. Something else is. And oftentimes people who serve through grumbling and complaining, that is not their problem. They're bothered by something else. You got me? There's something deeper going on there that they're not recognizing. They're not laying it down at the foot of the cross so that Jesus can pick that burden up for them and give them the light light burden and the easy yoke to take with them. You got me? That's what Mary was doing. She was laying her burdens down at his feet and getting fed on something that was going to carry her through. Mary had her set of problems just like Martha did. But that's why Jesus said Mary Mary chose the better part. She was getting help for herself, folks. She was she was not there to just there to anoint him, but as she was getting filled with faith and encouragement and focusing in on what he was able to help her to understand, to get herself out of herself and get herself over into faith and and the fruit of the spirit, she's down there sucking up the fruit of the spirit off of his words. You under she needed that. She yeah. needed the sister needed and didn't know it. Right. She thought she needed attention for all the work she was doing. But see, this will happen when you get in an environment where people are working and serving God. You'll find people who always want to grumble and complain and feel like they're doing too much. See, when that thought comes to you, I'm the only one. Remember Elijah? And he told God he wanted to die, and God said, I'll take you up on that. But it won't be right now. you got to get somebody else to take your place. Amen. And so that's what God will do. You know, in any situation, if you really feel like you don't want to do it anymore, he'll raise up somebody else to take your place. But his work will go on. Many people feel good if they can look back and see that they stopped a work from happening. And that's when you're really screwed up in your head. You don't ever want to be the cause of somebody not being able to fulfill their commitment to God. You got me? But in people's hearts and their their evil minds, that's what they have in mind. They want they're so angry. They don't care if the work of God goes on or not or if it's difficult for people. But God always raises up another way to get his work done. I'm a witness for 30 years. He'll always for people who want to continue and work for God, he always has somebody to come and help and get that work done. So that's never going to stop anything. So he says here in Psalm, let me see, 101.6, he says to serve God in a perfect way. Man, 101 verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. They that may dwell with me, he that walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. So God picks the cream of the crop. When people start grumbling and complaining too much, they're gone. 
You got me? You can complain yourself out of a good job. You can complain yourself out of a good church. You can complain yourself out of a good ministry. Pretty soon you complain so much you'll be sitting out there. And the, the work of God goes on. And you think that you're hurting people by leaving. That's how deceived some people are. Then they get down the road and they can't pay their bills. They're beg- you, Next thing you hear, they're begging for food from somewhere. You got me? Because they don't serve God in a perfect way. And, and don't know how to humble themselves and get back where they're supposed to be. In Job 36.11, we said if we obey and serve him, and serve him with gladness, and serve him in a perfect way. You know, God picks the cream of the crop for serving him. He'll pick you at a time in your life where you're obedient. And if you'll stay obedient, you'll have a good history with God. But if you screw that up and quit quit living in a perfect way, start murmuring, complaining, you know, you'll find somebody else is just as screwed up as you are and complain to them and convince them to quit serving God. You know, that's a bad fruit to bear in your life. You don't want to you don't want to be a quitter and encourage other people to quit. You know, you want to continue to serve God. And so that's not a good resume to have, spiritually speaking. It's really not at all. You don't want that. If you're having difficulty, you go to God. You know, like Mary did. Go sit at his feet. You know, uh, uh, a half hour at his feet or an hour at his feet will do wonders for a bad attitude. You know, helps mine all the time. And um, let me see. What do we have minutes-wise, Miss Juana? Oh, we got a lot of minutes. Okay. So the other thing uh, in serving God, it takes discipline and it takes a respect of God's rule even when under pressure. Amen. Discipline and respect for God's rule even when under pressure and under attack. And so <clears throat> in David's life, in First Samuel 26, I'll take you over there first. I had two examples. One was uh, in his interaction with Saul, or lack of interaction with Saul, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, we see a, a discipline, respect for God's law and restraint. You know how sometimes when people get under pressure and they feel like all their resources are gone, they start breaking the law. You know, breaking the rules, doing things any kind of way they did. And, and they excuse themselves from holding up God's standard because of their situation. There's no such thing of that in God's. That's when God will help you all the more is when you have no resources of your own, when you're under great attack. You don't have to compromise God's law. You don't have to go over to the heathen and see what they're doing. You don't have to do anything of that, like that. But you can still stay under God's authority. When David was running from Saul, he lived in the Philistine property, but he was not under their God. This is important to realize. He was he would go to the prophet when he needed counsel. He would uh, worship God and serve God in spite of the type of life he had to live in order to stay alive. You got me? He could not live among the nation of Israel. Saul was going to kill him. Saul didn't want him there. But even though he was a refugee from his own people, he still kept God's law. You don't lose your God on the inside of you just because a person over you who claims to serve God is losing their mind. So you have to stay uh, with the law of God. So in in 1 Samuel 26, let me see, where do I want to go with that? 
this is after Dave had cut David had cut the hem off Saul's garment, and this is a second situation where he could have uh, killed Saul. Now let me find this. I'm gonna get this other translation here. That's what I brought this thing out here for. Hang on. All right. Let me see. Switch from King James to. I'm gonna get something I can read a little faster. <laughs> All right. The Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on this hill? And so Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, where 3,000 chosen men of Israel, with 3,000, to seek David in the wilderness. Saul encamped on the hill, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon, but David remained in the wilderness. So David's not going to go out and openly challenge Saul. He's, you know, okay, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not. See, this is the thing about God's law. If someone is anointed of God or they're in authority over your life, there are certain rules that have to be respected. You don't cross certain lines just because you have an opportunity to do it. I'll put it that way. Saul was wrong in seeking David's life, but and that may have given him an opportunity. But that doesn't have to be the only way people get opportunities to usurp authority. You got me? Sometimes people just wait for an open door to, to uh, take more authority than they're entitled to. All these kinds of things. So David was very, very careful to stay within the boundaries and the lines of the authority that was given him. It says David sent out spies had learned that Saul had indeed come. David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped, and David saw the place where Saul was. So David's just observing. He's not attacking. He's not being aggressive. He says Saul was there with Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army. Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. And David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Joab's brother Abishai, he said, who will go down to me to the camp of Saul. Abishai said, I'll go down. David and Abishai went to the army by night. There Saul lay sleeping within the encampment with his spear stuck in the ground at his head and Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now David constantly has, he's got warriors around him at all times and they're forgetting it on you know let's if we gonna fight let's fight here he is here's ta -da, ta -da, ta -da, and so david said to abishai don't destroy him for who can put his hand against the lord's anointed and be guiltless this is the law of god speaking folks this is not some fear of a, a police force or fear of saul's people or this is the law of god speaking See, we can be we can be wise according to what wisdom is in the natural, or we can be wise according to God's law. And it's always best to keep God's law in spite of what some idiot's doing. A lot of times people think when people in authority start making bad decisions, that's their excuse. To go and take or to go and, 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 you know, remove and all that kind of stuff. He says, he says, I'll never be guiltless if I lay my hand on this man. David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him or this or his day will come to die. 
So he said, this is God's business. It's not my business to kill this man. God's anointed him. He said, or he will go into the, down into the battle and perish. One of the reasons you don't touch God's anointed is because that anointing can always be revived if God says so. Right. You might be able to, you may not even be able to kill that person right. if God says they're going to live. You understand that? Rise up and kill you. So David's very, very wise. So this is God's law speaking. He said, but take now the spear that is at his head in the jar of water and let's go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it. Nor did anybody awake, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. David went over to the other side and stood far off on the top of the hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army and said to Abner, the son of Ner, will you not answer Abner? <clears throat> then Abner answered, who are you who calls the king? David said to Abner, are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord the king? In other words, he told Abner, he said, this is, this is where you, you know, this is where you excel. You know, you're the demand for Saul. Why aren't you keeping watch over him? Why aren't you doing your job? It says, for one of the people came in to destroy the king, your Lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve not, you deserve to die because you have not kept watch over your Lord. See, this is the word of the Lord speaking, folks. This is David understanding God's law. This is why David is is anointed king of Israel because God continually speaks his law to him. He continually tells him what's right and what's wrong. He continually tells him who's on God's side and who's not. He said, and now see where the king's spear is in the jar of water that was at his head. Saul recognized David's voice and said, is this not, is this your voice, David, my son? David says, it is my voice, O Lord, my Lord, O King. And he said, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hand? So David is still trying to entreat him as a father and see if he can come to a good resolution to this situation. Now, therefore, let my Lord, the King, hear the words of his servants. If it is the Lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, may they be cursed before the Lord. Lord, for they have driven me out this day that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now, therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I've acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here's the spear, O king. Let one of your young men come over and take it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and for his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, and I would not put my hand against the Lord's anointed. The very important folks. Whatever it is you may have against somebody, if they belong to God, you got to obey the laws of God where they're concerned. You can't just fight and scrap and argue and cuss people and carry on and act stupid. Um, that offends God greatly. And he is the save. The Bible says he's the saving grace of his anointed. You understand me? So people who are serving God have a right to a certain level of respect. 
They have a, certain, a right to restraint on the part of people who deal with them. You just can't deal treacherously uh, with God's people and, and, and have a good life. You know, be blessed and all that kind of stuff. And your conscience will bother you greatly. You know, the Holy Spirit will keep telling you, this is not right. Because he's here to teach us and lead us and guide us into all that is good and all that is true. And so Saul begins to repent and begins to... These encounters with David at the end of his life and toward the end of his life are very important in preserving a place uh, in God for Saul. You know, that he'd not die under the curse, but that he die a repentant man so that God can forgive him. So these encounters are extremely important. In 1 Samuel 25, there's a situation with a man by the name of Nabal. And we won't go through that. That was something, I won't go through all the detail, but that was something that happened earlier in David's reign where it set him up for the, the last events that are going to happen in this, this, uh, this, uh, a fight with King Saul. Uh, David, is living out in the wilderness. He has to make a living however he can, and he's got <clears throat> uh, an army of men who decided to follow him because they knew David would be the next king of Israel. They knew that David was a man of integrity, and so they lined up with David instead of with Saul. And so you would see uh, reports of how one of these men was able to, to slay like 600 men with one blow and stuff like that. I mean, they were supernaturally <laughs> empowered to, for God, by God, to fight and to win and to subdue all of their enemies. That's why every time David would get an advantage of Saul, one of them was right beside him. You know what we, you know how we do, you know what do they do, and so uh, here we have uh, um, David gets an opportunity to do a kindness for somebody, and under covenant law. If a kindness is extended to you, uh, you are obligated in God's eyes to repay that kindness, you know, if it's asked of you. And so David heard that that uh, um, Nabal, uh, who was married to a woman named Abigail, they had a, a lot of property, a lot of land. He was a very wealthy man. He came from the, the same, the Kenite tribe that Caleb came from. And those people were very uh, good workers, hard workers. They were adept at subduing land. And so here Nabal comes from a, a prosperous kind of family. So he's got skills, you know, to increase and that kind of stuff. But he's not a wise man. And so uh, Nabal... Uh, his men are out shearing sheep, which is puts you kind of at a in a vulnerable position. You've got all these sheep, and you're out uh, in no man's land gathering wool. And so David saw that they were vulnerable, so he assigned some of his men to go and protect them and fight for them, so that nobody came and, and overtook them and stole the sheep from him. So David, in in turn, tells them what he has done. He sends a young man uh, that he sends to tell Nabal what he has done. And he, in turn, asks for a little provision for his men so that they don't get weary while they're out there fighting for you, protecting you, which you don't have sense enough, you understand what I'm saying, to do yourself. So anybody with a, a right mind who's in a right frame of mind would appreciate something like that. 
Nabal answers and puts David down. Who is David? Who is it? Who? You say who? David? Who? I know nobody. No, no David. Who? He ain't nobody important. I'm gonna take my good food and give it to him and you bums and all this. And so the young men told David about it. And so David got angry. He said, "I go and kill everybody." You know. In other words. He says, I could have killed them last night instead of taking care. I could have took, killed them and took the sheep. Now I'm going to kill them. So apparently this is something that goes on all the time in Nabal's household. Because the servants go and tell on them. They tell the wife, Abigail, who is very pretty and very wise. And how she wound up with this man, I don't know. But you know. Stuff happens. So here she is with him. So the servants reported to it. And Abigail in her wisdom decides to receive the blame and responsibility for her husband's actions. And she entreats for him. This is what intercessors do. If you're married to a man who's not up to snuff or a woman who's not up to snuff, you become an intercessor before the throne of God for them. And that's what Abigail is doing here. She is interceding on her husband's behalf that his life be spared and that David not destroy everything that they have. She doesn't know if she's going to be received or not. But she's going in the power of God and in the wisdom of God. And in turn, Abigail... And in in speaking and interceding for her life, her husband's life, their servants and their possessions, she offers a a peace offering for David and his men, which becomes a covenant meal. Whenever you offer peace to someone and they receive your peace, then that quashes all the animosity. And if he accepts this, then we'll all live and then we'll all be well and we'll be happy and we can die another day. You got me? And so Abigail then sets out to ask David's forgiveness. And so she says here, Verse 26, now therefore my Lord as the Lord lives and as my soul and your soul lives, seeing the Lord has withholden you from coming to shed blood and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now let my your enemies and they that seek to do evil to to the Lord be as Nabal. In other words, she explains to him that he's a heathen man. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so I'm interceding so you cannot shed blood unnecessarily. He said, now this blessing which your handmaid has brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow you. And I pray, forgive the trespass of your hand and of my trespass. In other words, she takes responses. In other words, she says, I'm the one who really should have sent the food out to everybody. It wasn't him that would do this. This this is me. And she said, forgive me and forgive my sin for the Lord will certainly make Make my Lord a sure house because the Lord fights the battles of you and and evil has not been found in you all these days. Now, how does she know this? How does she know this? God sends this woman to David to prophesy to him. It's not just a chance encounter where they were out there trying to see when you serve God and you live in his law and you love his law and that law is working in you and you refrain yourself from doing what is is normally done in these situations, defending your own life. If we as believers would lay these things down and let God be our defense. Let God be the one who goes to bat. Let put these things before the Lord. We could live a life on a very high level. 
You know, all you have to do is sit back and trust God and receive the blessing of God. And not try to take matters into your own hand. She's picking this up from the Spirit of God. Everything she says from here on in is prophetic to David. And it's to set his heart in order so that he doesn't pick up willfully avenging himself against people. Because he's got a lot of enemies. The devil sends people like Nabal to stir us up and keep us agitated keep us thinking that God's not with us keep us thinking God has no help for us all this kind of stuff he sends these people and sends these encounters to us to keep us off balance and trying to do our fight our own battles he loves it when a Christian lays down spiritual weapons and picked up carnal ones so that they can can lose they can lose ground they can lose standing they can lose you start fighting with God's people and see how your standing diminishes among people uh, who really really love God and so here she begins to prophesy to David and she tells him he says, she says, yet a man has risen to pursue you and to seek your soul. And this is going to happen right over in the next chapter. She's talking about Saul uh, and what's going to happen to David very shortly. He said, she said, but the soul of my Lord, or your soul shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord your God. In other words, she's telling me, telling that even though Saul's pursuing you, he's not going to get you and kill you. Because your soul is bound up with God. And she says, and it shall come to pass. He says, she says, and the souls of your enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. He says, and it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he's spoken concerning you and shall have appointed you ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief to you. In other words, she says, God has such good things planned for you. It won't hurt you one little bit to pass up on getting vengeance on your enemies in the meantime. So she begins to set David's mind in a different place he begins to sense that his ascendancy to the throne of Israel is imminent and if he could just be cool for another chapter you know what I'm saying he'll be able to do this and so she said and when the God has dealt kindly with you just remember me Mm-hmm. This is this is common what people say in covenant language. When you have come into your kingdom, remember me. Remember the thieves on the cross. That's that's common. And she says, and and uh, and David said to Abigail, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today." You need to know when somebody is sent by God. You need to appreciate when God has put somebody, your name in somebody's mouth that they would pray for you and, and, and understand and help you. And he said, blessed be your advice and blessed be you which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood. In other words, I remember God's law. I don't have to do this. I have the power to do it, but I can lay that down for a higher purpose. And he says, for in very deed, as the Lord lives, the God of Israel liveth, which has not kept me back from hurting you, except you had hastened to come and meet me. Surely there had not been anybody left here. He said, because lady, I was ready to kill everybody. I'm just that mad, and I'm just that upset, and I'm just, just that stretched to my limit that I don't care what I do anymore. And so... God sent somebody to get him back into his right mind and give him another chance. I mean, throw everything. Look at what he would have thrown away. Look at the loss that would have occurred, not just to himself personally, but to God's people. 
Because God would have had to judge David for standing against, for killing hands on his anointed, and for all of the things that he's doing that's not the will of God, that's not merciful to do. So David understood folks, how to be a disciplined warrior. When you have power in God, you don't have to be a show-off. You don't have to be a person that wants to lord it all over everybody. You don't have to be a renegade and a run it, run off at the mouth and a, a person that wants to be a, a known as a, a, a warrior, you know, that kind of stuff. You can be a person that walks softly and, and understands who you are in God. You can respect His law, respect His people, respect His anointed. You can do all you can obey God's law. You don't have to trespass his law in order to be what he calls you to be. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding for uh, a good time in your word, Father, to get to know uh, the spirit of David and, and what we can gain from his life. Understanding how a man can be as accomplished as he and yet stay humble before God and, and be a productive man in your kingdom. So we thank you for the opportunity to hear and to know these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord.